Hello, welcome to Who's That Girl? This is your host, Liberty King. I'm here to talk today about the very first episode of what I hope to be a really long-running podcast about my very favorite, my very one and only queen, Madonna. And I'm just going to use this podcast to talk a little bit first um, about my relationship to Madonna, to um, how I became a fan, how um, she has affected me positively in my life, how she's helped me see things in a different way, I guess you could say. Um, I hope also with this podcast to connect with other fans. I would love to have fans on my podcast. I'm also hoping to eventually, I'm not sure when, possibly secure interviews with people who work with uh, Madonna or have worked with Madonna in some way. Um, This is probably a little bit ambitious, but hey, I'm blonde, blonde ambition, you know how that goes. Um, Yeah, so that's what's up here on the um, Who's That Girl podcast. Okay, so first of all, uh, I'll start talking to you a little bit about me. Um, I am 40 years old. And I grew up in Brownsville, Texas. And if you don't know where that is, well, join the club. (laughs) A lot of people don't. But it is down in the very tip of Texas. Very, very bottom tip, south tip of Texas. Yeah, so it's really, it's not a really big town. Um, Right now there's maybe like, I don't even know, 200,000 people. But um, it's just kind of, it was an easy place to grow up I think just because it was culturally like between two um it was like it's culturally like positioned it's kind of uh he has a lot of Mexican influences it has American influences and uh we have the beach just 30 minutes away maybe 25 depending on how fast you drive and it's just a really it's it growing up of course I didn't appreciate it now I think I see things um, for what they really are. (laughs) Um, but, you know, of course I was just desperate to get out, right? Just like Madonna was desperate to get out of Bay City, Michigan and to see something more and to be something more. And I think when I was very, very young, um, nothing really mattered to me. (laughs) Am I going to just talk about, uh, am I just going to use Madonna lyrics in my podcast? I think so. Um, anyway, yeah, so... uh, when I was very young, I was, I think I was pretty easily influenced. Um, nothing unusual happened to me. I mean, I had a great set of parents. Um, I had, you know, I had a younger brother, a younger sister. When I was about, I guess I was probably seven years old, maybe the first time, six or seven years old that I really remember hearing Madonna. And one of the first memories I have related to her is that my mom took me to Kmart and I think I must have begged her for that cassette, the the first album, Madonna cassette. And I, I remember thinking, like, I have to have this. This is just, she's so beautiful, you know, on the cover. These eyes just looking back at you. I mean, in a, as a seven-year-old, of course, she, I wasn't as interested in, like, princesses or anything like that as I was, like, powerful women, I guess. Um, yeah, so... I got that. My mom got that for me. I remember taking it home and just playing the hell out of that cassette. I really, I think I must have played it 
a million times uh, on this old boombox. You know that picture of Madonna where she's holding the boombox on her shoulder? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, that boombox. And, or the one in the Borderline video? Yeah. Look like that. Two speakers on either side. Ghetto blaster, right? It was so amazing. Anyway, um, I remember also, see, my mom was a hairdresser. She had a friend named Cindy, and Cindy had the Like a Virgin album. And I remember looking at that, oh my gosh, this is the same singer? I had no idea, you know, how could, how could she look one way on one album and another way on another album cover? Um, and then I remember later, another, another time when I was at a friend's house, a neighbor's house, because we didn't really have very many neighbors, so there was a, a girl who lived right next door to me, and she, her name was Katie. I wonder where she is today, but... Yeah, so Katie had two posters on her wall. She had a Madonna poster and she had a Cindy Lauper poster. And I mean, I was all the way 100%. I liked Cindy Lauper, but no, Madonna had it like for me 100%. And um I remember telling Katie like this other girl Cindy cannot compare to Madonna. I mean, look at Madonna. Like Madonna is way more pretty. Um she has uh prettier eyes. She doesn't have funky colored hair. I mean, at the time, I mean, as, as I said, I was pretty easily, um, impressed by things. So yeah, for whatever reason, Cindy Lauper's hair color kind of bothered me, but yeah. Um, another memory I have is there was this other neighbor girl named Leslie and Leslie had, um, La Isla Bonita as a record I think a single maybe she had it maybe she had I'm not sure I I don't remember now what she had but um yeah so Leslie played for me La Isla Bonita I remember this vividly and I was like desperate to convince Leslie that that Madonna was Mexican and that she's that she spoke Spanish and I think Leslie was like uh you're dumb like because I was much younger than Leslie at the time right but you know anyway um, those are my earliest Madonna memories. Um, I know that I begged for, you know, the Who's That Girl cassette when the movie came out. I wanted the... So I was like 10 when that happened. And I'd already been a fan for a few years. Um, I made my sister and my cousin. Shout out Jennifer and Chrissy if you're listening. Um, I remember I made them because when the True Blue album came out, Okay, Papa Don't Preach, of course, like, changed my world. It was, it was, like, the, the violins at the beginning just, you know, giving you this whole new perspective about what pop music could be at, you know, of course, 10 years old, 8, 9 years old, I'm like, I'm new to it. I, I don't think about violins in, cla- in in pop music and think of that with like classical music which you know at that time I was like that was put you to sleep music um, but here Madonna was bringing it into pop music and what an amazing sound to me that was well anyway of course having seen all these uh, Madonna videos over the course of my fandom at that point very important thing the floor. Madonna always would start her choreography or at least end or have some relationship to the floor. So I would like try to make my sister and my cousin learn a choreography where we had to start, you know, on your knees in this very, you know, um, dramatic position, um, 
to begin your choreography and uh yeah so uh anyhow I think that's really where I probably I don't think I ever made a conscious decision to be like I am a Madonna fan it was honestly like Madonna chose me to be a fan and um when I I never really learned you know about her personal life I would read here and there an article or two but to me what was speaking the most was just her music and um initially for me it was all about the music when I was 13 years old my grandfather told me you know he had HBO we didn't have it at my parents house so and I spent entire summers at my grandparents house so um my grandfather and I had a pretty close relationship well he had HBO Blonde Ambition Tour was going to air and I had seen uh, on I think it was the magazine for the or TV guide or something that that uh, Blonde Ambition Tour was going to be aired live uh, from Nice and I remember I think in passing telling my grandfather I would really like to watch that Um, and he was kind of a cool dude like he had bought me you know Michael Jackson CDs and that stuff so he he really knew uh and supported my love of pop music uh a milli vanilli record comes to mind that he bought me and um so he agreed and he let and he also agreed to let me record it with my vcr uh cassette tape that i i think i bought myself and so we're recording it right and watching it and i mean you know of course this it was one of the first times I'd ever watched a concert in my life, but on TV specifically. And he was watching with me. And my grandfather at the time was 61, I think, and um, maybe 62. And he, I mean, you know, Madonna starts swearing in that one section right after Express Yourself and... Um, that first segment and she starts talking about je suis le chef and um you know she has all these colorful words which I haven't decided if I'm going to be using in this podcast but probably I won't be able to avoid it because you know Madonna fans Madonna Madonna doesn't shy away from swearing so anyway she says all of these words she grabs her crotch and my grandfather I mean I was so embarrassed but he let me continue watching and he even let me continue recording and he went to the other room and let me watch the whole thing and I'm telling you right now I feel like if he turned that off I'm not sure what would have happened as far as me being um, as crazy about Madonna as I ended up being I feel like I would have ended up maybe letting that go but to see Madonna commanding the crowd, standing there, and everyone, you know, the thousands of, the sea of people, literally, at, in, that, in that stadium in Nice, and she was in charge. And for me, this was like, you know, this is the power that every woman should have. And she was in control and even if she wasn't in control she gave you the impression that she was under uh, in control and so I wanted that I think uh, you know analytically thinking um, when I think about being the oldest child the oldest of three and 
and a lot of times just I think I'm a pretty bossy older sister or I've been a bossy older sister to my younger siblings um it is for me really just something that I connect with I guess and maybe that um just who I want to be you know to me she was somebody that people could look up to um she took a feeling and she made it seem like it was also okay for a woman to have power so you know fast forward a few years I mean people started to know me as the Madonna fan um just because I wouldn't shut up about it and I think you know when I was um about 15 14 15 years old when the erotica album came out and in spite of you know how racy that was um or how uh extravagant in terms of sexual um exploration that was no one really told me that I wasn't allowed to be uh listening to her music I mean everybody just kind of let me and um I mean I I was a fan uh, like legit I think I even I even saw Truth or Dare in the theater at the time and I had I made my my uh, I think my step cousin go see it with me and I think I, I had to tell my parents I was seeing something else you know sorry I kind of went out of chrono- chronological order there but yeah so for me Madonna you know she represented something that was female empowerment that was, um, you know, and as, of course, as I started to learn a little bit more about her history, I remember watching Madonna Innocence Lost and how she got to New York and she had nothing and she made it, she had, she made it happen for herself. And I, I don't know, at some point I started to feel some oppression at home and this feeling like I wasn't in control of my own life. And, you know, I was also a chubby, um, teenage girl, young girl, teenage girl, I wanted physically to be like Madonna. She represented to me also that um, the ways the body could move and look and how you could change yourself um, and that all you needed to do was was believe. For me, this was absolutely like the most important thing, I think, that I emu- that I wanted to emulate was just her how in control of herself she was um, yeah so I think you know over time it, it became clear to me that I needed to be or try to um, do what I could to be like this woman um, maybe not taking naked pictures and publishing them in a book but the expression and the idea of expression and I wrote I wrote poetry I wrote a lot of poetry um, probably inspired indirectly probably by some of the things that she wrote and um, I didn't really let it go you know um, in spite of the ways that society did not want to hear anymore you know especially 92 93 nobody wanted to hear anything more from Madonna or about Madonna and um but I never gave up I never wavered in my love for her she was the queen and to this day I am um first and foremost probably a Madonna fan I'm a member of Icon um lifetime member 
I, uh, I've been to, I couldn't go to any of her concerts until Drowned World Tour, but since Drowned World Tour, I haven't missed a tour except for Sticky and Sweet. I lived abroad at the time and, um, had a baby and things just didn't work out. I had tickets to Sticky and Sweet, but I couldn't go because it just didn't work out. So, um, I sold them, but regrettably because I absolutely wish that I could have attended that tour. It does, however, happen to not be one of my favorite tours. Um, and of course I'm going to use this podcast to talk about that. I'm going to talk about things like, and discuss things like, uh, favorite tours. I'm going to discuss favorite looks and I'm going to discuss favorite, um, you know, Madonna stories. I'm going to talk a little bit about my relationships, um, the turning point really for my, for my fandom, like how it got even bigger, I think was with the internet connecting with other fans, realizing that I am not the only Madonna fan because growing up, as I said, I mean, people identified me as the Madonna fan, but I didn't know a whole lot of people who were like me, um, as far as being a big fan of this, of this mega star, which is crazy, right? Because she's so famous you would think it wouldn't be too hard to find people who love her. Um, but there's a difference I think between people who love her, like, like, like I love her and who just enjoy her music or think, you know, she's pretty beautiful, whatever you want to call it. Um, so honestly, like I think the, the internet changed how I connected with fans. Um, I would love to talk about Um, how it's really easy nowadays to connect with people who work with and for Madonna or who have worked for Madonna or with Madonna Um, and now on Facebook or social media platforms and um, also I would really love to I would love to get interviews with them I'm not 100% sure how likely that is Um, but doesn't hurt to ask right so yeah I feel like that's that's a really good um indicator about what um what this podcast is going to be about um I'm going to use the next episode to start with um early Madonna early career um because I think that that's a really good place to start uh I would like to talk about the um sort of disparity some people are you know fan they claim they're fans since 1983 and then others are like well but she didn't have a hit really till 1984 so how could you really follow her since 1983 and I'd love to approach some of those arguments and talk about some of the looks and the ways that um, Madonna influenced fashion at that time just based on what she was wearing um, who was designing for her um, the legendary Mari Pohl and uh, the look in general and um, when she kind of burst on the scene and she was hitting everybody from all sides really in 1985 um, those are the moments I think for me that solidified you know kind of my destiny really to be a Madonna fan Uh, and I think a lot of others and the friends that I have today um also have that feeling um yeah so welcome and thanks for listening thank you for listening to who's that girl podcast the first episode um please you know leave some comments or let me know what else you'd love for me to talk about or any other things that I could address and um 
give me some ideas, give me, you know, and give me your feedback. Tell me about your fan stories. I'd love to, if you feel like, um, you have something really special connection wise to say how you became a fan. Um, maybe I can interview you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Check me out on, uh, Facebook, Liberty King, um, and on Instagram as so very liberty. And I look forward to connecting with you. Bye.